It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On today's Locked On Thunder podcast, we're joined by Michael Martin of the Oklahomans Thunder Buddies podcast to discuss how this Thunder season has gone so far, how we think it will end, and what the future of the organization looks like for the Oklahoma City Thunder, all on today's Locked On Thunder podcast. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, media member, and editor-in-chief over at thunderousintentions.com, Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. Follow the show on Twitter at Pod. And on today's show, we're joined by Michael Martin of the Oklahoma and Thunder Buddies Podcast to discuss this Thunder season to this point and our expectations for the rest of the way and what the future might look like for this young Thunder team. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. First-time users can receive 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code locked on. That's prizepicks.com, promo code locked on. Michael, thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing today? Doing well. Thanks for having me. So this season has obviously been incredible for every Thunder fan, media member, everyone. It's been awesome. If you had to go in front of somebody who has not turned on a single NBA game so far this year, how would you describe this season for the Thunder? Oh, that's tough. I would say exciting would be the one buzzword or potential. For me, it feels like, I don't know, a lot of people, myself included, going into the season thought the Thunder would be in another rebuilding season, not probably in the Victor Wembanyama sweepstakes uh, part of the race, but maybe five to six uh, spot in the reverse standings. But this team has just continued to overachieve, mostly with this the rise of Shea Gildas Alexander, who's turned himself from a fringe all-star into a superstar right now and maybe a top 15 to 12 player in the NBA. And along with that, just the development along with the, uh, the rest of the roster, Josh Gideon year two has really, really improved. And then just different guys around the roster and on the team who have continued to improve. Or you get J-Dub in the lineup. Jalen Williams from Santa Clara has really shown out and looked like one of the steals of the draft, if not the steal of the draft. So I would say exciting would be the the number one word that comes to mind. Yeah, very exciting, uh, very surprising even. I mean, I, I think that uh, for me, the expectation was, hey, this team's going to play a lot better than they have been, but it might not be a win total improvement of that great nature. It might just be, you know, you went from 22 to 24 last year, go from 24 to 26 this year. It's not some gigantic leap. It's just that they're playing better, but the tough Western Conference kind of beat you down record-wise. But it's been quite the uh, opposite in terms of record. I mean, they almost have uh, equaled their win total of last year uh, with with their next win. They're going to do that. And so I think that this team just surprisingly is – finding ways to win games despite being so young. And I think that's a testament to the culture that the Thunder have uh, put in place. Now for you, we, we mentioned uh, Shea a little bit. 
in your opinion, from what we've seen from Shea, and I think that it's important to note that he was doing this after the All-Star break last year as well, so that gives us an even longer sample size than just half of a season. Has Shea shown you enough that you believe that when this team is is fully flushed out, he can be the guy, the number one option on a title contending team? I mean, some of that you only know once you get into those circumstances, you get into those games, but I have no reason not to feel that way right now other than... I guess just the three ball is the main concern. I think you're going to see a lot of teams. You've seen it in the, against the best teams like Miami and New Orleans and teams like that who just wall up defensively against Shea and just say, keeping everything in front, we're not going to let you drive over and over. He's been a league leader in drives the last couple of years. But I have no reason not to believe he's going to continue to improve. Every year it feels like this is probably the ceiling. This is about as good as he's going to get. But every single season, he uh, offseason, he adds something new. So this offseason, I think that it's going to be another leap, and he's only going to get better as the players around him get better and guys like Josh continue to improve and they get Chet in the lineup. Whoever they get in 2023, 2024, whoever that is, J-Dub's going to get better and other guys. So I don't really feel comfortable putting a, a ceiling on Shea, but only time will tell because there have definitely been guys who we've saw in the past who we didn't think were a number one, and then you see them in the playoffs, and there it's a different thing like Jimmy Butler. And then you have other guys who look like a number one during the regular season. And then the postseason comes around and it's just a completely different animal. You're right. And I totally agree with that. Everyone that listens to this podcast daily knows that I think that Shea's not done getting better. And I think that even if you want to be, call it cynical, call it whatever, and say that this is Shea's ceiling as a personal player, his production level gets even greater as this roster gets more shooters around him, as this roster gets better uh, for him. So that upticks him as well. I think that SGA's sample is legitimate. Like he's, he's a legitimate 30 point per game guy, and he's going to be someone that can really carry an offense. And then I, the reason that I'm more so apt to buy into it working in the playoffs would just be because his game is pretty sustainable in the half court, which is whenever the game slows down, the playoffs is kind of the big adjustment that you make come postseason time. But we do still have to see him actually get there in terms of as this version of himself. He's been there twice before, but he was he wasn't this whenever he was in the playoffs. Now, the the next question that I have for you is Jalen Williams out of Santa Clara. I think that with Jalen Williams, oftentimes people might be hesitant to kind of jump off the deep end because he was picked twelve and not necessarily the best draft pick of the draft class for the Thunder in terms of like positioning he wasn't picked second overall but he still it was in that range where he can be you know a, a all-star caliber of player for you 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 know we've seen him go for 27 points 25 points we've seen him go for one point like we've seen kind of the spectrum of his game a little bit and the kind of steadiness of his game where are you at right now if you had to look five years into the future and just make a guess based on this half of a, a season of basketball you've watched of him in the nba where would you put his his potential at? So a comp I've been working on, and it's rough. As you know, comps are not always one-to-one. But just the way he reminds me as just a winning player who just impacts winning in all types of ways and just full utility on both ends, he reminds me a lot of Andre Gudala. Not as like a premier defender, but as a guy on offense who you can run the ball through him as a point guard. You can have him set screens. You can have him play on the ball, off the ball. You can have him in the dunker spot. And he just succeeds in all those types of environments i'm with you i think there are a lot of people who maybe think there wasn't as high of a ceiling for him some of it because of his draft position some of it because he's a guy who played in college for multiple years and there's the stigma of if you're not a one and done then something's 
wrong with you. But J-Dub, I think, is going to be really, really good. He's one of those players where, at least in the college level, he doesn't have anything that just, like, jumps out to you of, like, oh, wow, this is an NBA skill. Like, he's a super fast guy. He's super athletic. He just does everything extremely well without doing anything to a point where it's like Josh Giddy's passing, where it's just like it jumps off the page, or Shea's ability to drive, or Chet's shot blocking, or anything like that, or Lou Dort's on-ball defense. He's just solid in a variety of ways. It's still too early, I guess, to project if he's going to be an all-star trajectory player. One, because unless you're an all-time great team, the likelihood of you getting two or three all-stars is just not great. And I'm still leaning towards that um, Shea and Chet will be the best two players on the stutter iteration of the team. We haven't even seen Chet in the NBA, but that's just my feeling about it, just based on his skill set. But J-Dub, I think, is going to be the ultimate utility player. And Mark has talked about it, Mark Dagnall, that you can just throw him in a variety of positions and he just succeeds. They played him at point guard, shooting guard, small forward, power forward. They've had him guard centers, and he's been pretty solid in all aspects. And I totally agree. And that's why I'm really strict with my verbiage whenever I talk about J-Dub. All-star caliber, and I always give the example of like Mike Conley, who played at an all-star level for the majority of his of his prime career, but you know he never made one until the year after the bubble, and that was kind of a big deal for him to make his first all-star appearance. For the same reasons that you mentioned, like you have to be an extraordinarily good team to get three all-stars, and even if you are that extraordinarily good team, you're fighting with Shea, Chet, Giddy. Uh, if they're that good, they're going to be fighting with those three guys to to get three all-stars with J-Dub. So uh, he might never make one in OKC, but he could be playing at that level of play whenever it's all said and done. But what you should be playing right now is Prize Picks because Prize Picks is incredible, and it's the best daily fantasy operator out there for you. This is how you do it, Michael. You pick two to six players, and you just pick, are they going to score more or less than the prize pick projections? And you can win 25 times your money on any entry. It's no competing against other players. It's just you versus the projected numbers. They have NBA, NFL, MLB, NHL, PGA, college football, college basketball, women's college basketball, WNBA, all that fun stuff over at prize picks. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy, safe, and offers fast withdrawals. Currently operational in over 30 states and Canada. And Michael, let's say that tonight, the line is SGA 25 and a half against the Warriors. Would you think that he scores more or less than that? I'd take the over on that one. And if he scores 26 points or more, you would win 25 times your money and have a chance to do that at Price Picks. So go to PricePicks.com right now. Use the code Locked On. They're going to give you 100% instant deposit match guarantee on your first deposit. PricePicks.com, promo code Locked On. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, we're back on the Locked On Thunder podcast with our good friend Michael Martin of the Oklahoma Thunder Buddies podcast with Joe Mazzotta, with Barry Trammell. Go listen to that podcast as well. Now, we've talked J-Dub, we've talked SGA, we've talked about this season as a, a on a granular scale. Another tough question I think needs to be answered, and it's it's oftentimes hard to be measured in these things, especially whenever... He's a 20-year-old, but Josh Giddey's stretch, which has lasted since December 1st, he's playing really, really well, playing the best basketball of his NBA career. Uh, 
how sustainable is that? And and what do you view him as now after these last 20 games? What, what, what kind of do you view Josh Giddy as a player? I'm feeling way more optimistic about him. He's in the same situation as J-Dub where it's just going to be hard to get three all-stars in there. But he's just not a very easy player to evaluate because he's so unique. I think that some of the things that he's doing is definitely transferable. Him shooting 40% from three since December 1st, probably not going to be something that continues to happen. If it does, then we need to build a statue of uh, Chip England outside the stadium. But I don't see that coming. But there are some things that he's doing that are very sustainable. His physicality going towards the rim, his finishing, his just relentlessness. Because as we all know, watching the Thunder, Shea just drives over and over and over. He's leading the league and drives multiple years. But Josh has kind of uh, fit into that a little bit more. I mean, last night he really attacked Trey Young. Just using his size and physicality, I think is going to be a big thing for him. I think the free throw line stuff is real for him. I think the finishing uh, data is real for him. The three-point line, as he continues to build more confidence, is going to be good. But for a guy as skilled as he is and the size for the position that he has, it's not like he needs to be Clay Thompson. He only needs to shoot around 34 or 35% to balance out the other skills he has. And I think he's going to be a very, very uh, helpful player. And what's great about him is he can impact the game in a lot of ways without scoring or shooting. He can get those rebounds. He can defend um, well enough, and he continues uh, to improve as a 20-year-old. And like you mentioned, as he's only 20, he's going to keep getting better, and he's going to keep getting stronger. I mean, there might be some day down the line, Ryland, where we see him playing some small ball five, uh, five lineups. That would be very fun, and we know that Mark will experiment with anything that you let him experiment with. And speaking of Mark, I'm going to throw you a little bit of a curveball before we get back to more on-the-court players. But at this point in his tenure, how would you grade Mark Dignall's career to this point and, and the trajectory of him as a coach? I know that oftentimes we wait until seeing a coach in the postseason to determine if they're good or bad, but just what we've seen so far, especially – over these last, you know, since December, again, it's another benchmark for the Thunder where, where they're playing more games that feel more intense and feel uh, like they matter more. And we're seeing him where, hey, maybe he's a guy that's not going to call a, a timeout in those late game scenarios and just let his star go play and go make something happen. Uh, how would you grade Mark so far uh, to this point in his career? Well, you're grading him on a scale. Um, you have him in a situation where the team has been rebuilding. They've rotated through various roster members, so you can't go one-to-one like him and Steve Kerr because obviously it's probably a failure if you compare it to somebody like that who's winning the NBA Finals. But with Mark, I wouldn't necessarily grade him based off wins and losses, and I'd look more about player development, who's gotten better, and how he has just generally put guys in positions to succeed. He's obviously really helped build the culture around this team, and I've thought maybe this is a little bit early to say, I think he might be the best Thunder coach they've ever had already, but he just gets all these guys to buy into a play style. And even guys who like are in the rotation, out of the rotation, like an Aaron Wiggins, Darius Baisley, they come in ready to play the very next game, like they're going to get minutes. And then if they do get minutes, they're ready to play and they do exactly what he asks. So for Mark, as you mentioned, it's going to, um, a lot of the grading is going to come from in the postseason. That's where a lot of coaches make their money and make their name. But I would say that he's done a really great job, and he's probably one of the more underrated coaches in basketball right now. I mean, just think about how difficult it is to get basically a top 15 defense all three years that he's been the head coach without really any rim protection at all. I think that's a testament to how good of a coach he is on the X's nose side. And then offensively, he's gotten all these guys to buy in, which is not easy, as you've seen it with teams like Houston, Charlotte, 
uh, Detroit who don't really have an offensive game plan other than get it to our best players and figure it out. But he has a guy in Shea who, by all means, could be a very, very high usage sort of Luka, Trey Young, James Harden in Houston type of guy. But he has him sharing the ball, playing on and off the ball and doing a variety of things. So I would give uh, Mark about all the flowers I could right now. Yeah, I, that is a take that I've had since January of his first season, which sounds like I gave him a long runway. That was like three weeks into his coaching career. If you remember that season, didn't start till freaking Christmas. But uh, but I, I think he's the best coach in Thunder history, bar none. And I think that you know he just didn't have the luxury of like Scott Brooks getting thrown into the fire with Kevin Durant, Russ Westbrook, and James Harden to start his career. Peter Curtis doesn't even count, and then you have Billy Donovan uh, as well. So I, I think that that's a pretty measured take in and of itself, even though it sounds really extreme. And the biggest standout to me has been to contextualize the buy, the buy-in stuff. Every time that we sit there in, in that media room before the game, and he tells us, "All right, you know, tonight, like I, I really want the guys to play with pace," which was the example against Atlanta. They go out there and they do that. Like they're like whatever he says that they're going to try to do, they accomplish. And to me, that just is a sign of how much they're bought in. So you've already kind of teased your perspective on Chet Holmgren and, and that you think he's going to be the second best player on the roster, which I don't think is a hot take by any means. How do you think that he fits on this team next year and beyond and just kind of expanding your thoughts on Chet? The neat part is a lot of people in this season were on either a team tank for Victor Wembanyama or push for the play-in. And the cool thing about Chet is that he fits exactly what you would want on this team if you just customized a player in 2K. If you said, what do the Thunder need? And you're like, oh, well... In a perfect world, they'd get a stretch big because they need that. They need somebody who can clear the paint for Josh and Shea. And then defensively, they need somebody super switchable, super versatile, who can also protect the rim. And it's like, oh, you got exactly that. And then a guy who also fits the identity and culture of this team inside, um, on the court and off the court, as just being an unselfish guy and can shoot past dribble decisions exactly what they need. So I'm very, very excited for Chet. I had him number one on my board in some of the pre-draft things just because I thought he had the highest ceiling. There were obviously some of the concerns, and there still are with some of his frame things. But I'm just not as concerned. I mean, all the things were like, can he guard you, guard Jokic? Nobody can. So if that's the benchmark, you know, what other mythical person are we going to have to put on Chet and say, well, he can't guard them? Nobody can guard those guys. And those guys are going to have to guard him at some point, and let's see what they, they do. But for Chet, I'm very excited. I think the sky is the limit for him. Obviously, the health things will be there. Um, I think the shot is going to be there, and that'll be the biggest thing for him, along with his rim protection that's going to be much needed for the Thunder team. But I don't know. I gave him, he just reminded me of like 70% of like Rudy Gobert on defense, but with like actual offensive tools. And that's going to be an elite um, center in the NBA. I'm of the opinion that you don't draft a center super high unless you think he can be a top five guy's position. It's kind of like running backs in the NFL. You don't draft a guy very high if you think that you can just a guy in the fourth round or something like that. And Chet, I think, has all the potential in the world to be one of the best centers in the NBA in the class of those guys like Christian Embiid. We'll always have those summer league highlights to get us through the uh, long year without him. And also the reports about him playing well against Joel Embiid during the summer runs. But... Michael, our good friends over at FanDuel have a word for us because they are the best sports partner because we're very excited about our new sports betting partner at Locked On because they're the number one sports book in America. FanDuel, if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better because they have so many great features that you can use to make betting on sports fun and easy. For newcomers, if you're just now joining today, you can get $150 in free bets guaranteed 
when you place your first $5 bet. Just sign up today at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel has the best bets on the money line, point spread, player props. It's very fun. And if you want to combine all those for a chance at an even bigger payout, you can do the same game parlay. Michael, a lot of fun stuff coming up on the docket from the Super Bowl and AFC Championship, NFC Championship game, and then, of course, just NBA night in and night out. What's your feelings on the Bengals versus Chiefs game? Now, you you at home are going to know the results, so we're going to see right now if Michael was right or wrong. Bengals oh plus one, Chiefs minus one in Arrowhead. Which side are you leaning? So the uh, Chiefs are one-point favorite is what you're saying right now? They are. Okay. I, I would take that. Well, I'll take that side. I know you're a Chiefs, and I'm not going to go against you on your own podcast here. And Patrick Mahomes, it's hard to bet against that guy, even though Joe Burrow at the same time is that guy. But I'll, I'll take the Chiefs uh, with the one-point advantage here on the, the betting odds here. It'll be fun, and you at home can just be yelling at your screen right now at, at Michael if he was right or wrong, and no matter what he is, go go let him know on Twitter if he was right or wrong on that. FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Go check it out. We're back on the Lockdown Thunder podcast. On the Lockdown Podcast Network, your teams every day. Final segment here on the Lockdown Thunder. We've talked Chet Holmgren and every other young player on this roster for the most part, uh, at least you know the high lottery picks. Will OKC make the postseason this year? Will they play a game after their final regular season date? I'm nailing you down on this. What is your prediction? My gut and my heart says yes. Some of it is just because of the teams behind them. Um, let's see, I'm looking at the standings right now. But I don't see, I don't foresee the Lakers catching them as one of the teams. Some of it is just the teams in front of you and the teams behind you. The Thunder in 2023 have been one of the best teams in the NBA. Here they are. Okay, they're currently half a game out of the 10 spot from Utah. And there's just some level of trust that I have in the Thunder that I don't have in teams like Utah and Minnesota and even Phoenix, who might just take another catastrophe and go down because I trust Golden State. But just among those other teams, I think that they're going to get a spot in the plan. I wouldn't expect they're going to be a home court team in the plan, but probably in the 9 or 10 spot. But it, it'll be very interesting because, like we talked about, just see Shea in some of these environments. Obviously, he played for the Clippers in the playoffs. He played for the Thunder in the bubble in the playoffs. But to be the absolute number one guy in a playoff type of series, playoff type of game and atmosphere, I think is going to be really, really interesting for him to see. Because you see in a lot of these games, they just double the ball out of the guy's hands that good. They say, make your teammates beat us. And Shea is obviously the head of the snake for this Thunder offense. But at the same time, you'll get a very, very good look at a lot of the other guys and how they interact and how they adjust in a big time game i thought it was really interesting the consequences aren't as big but even when they played on tnt just to see some of the guys under the bright light and some of the biggest games they've ever played see what do we have here and so i'm not so hell-bent on if they make the play and if they make the playoffs they have to win they can't get eliminated in the first round they can't do this or that it's more so let's just take a look under the hood and see what we have before we go into next season with chet holmgren and take off from there The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up-to-date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So, Michael, 
what is one area that the Thunder have to get better at as they continue to rebuild this roster, continue to flush everything out? In, in your mind, you, you get to tell Sam Presti one, one idea you have to improve this team. What is an area or a category, you know, rebounding being the biggest one that people throw out there, rim protection? Like, what is the one thing the Thunder do not do well right now that they have to be better at to, to succeed? This is sort of a cop-out answer, and I feel bad about it. But a lot of it just comes down to what does Chet look like with this team? Because I think that he solves a lot of the issues. At the same time, Sam Presti has said, you know, we're not going to make a trade for something and try to improve um, something that we think we're deficient at without ever truly knowing it yet, if that makes sense. So I guess if they had to improve anything, it's not just saying this guy needs to get better. Just more, um, I don't know, there needs to be some more wing depth in just in terms of it's very nice to have guys like Aaron Wiggins and Darius Baisley. You can kind of just switch in and out, Eugene Omarui. But at the same time, I'd like to have one more, more reliable guy who's just more, I don't know, holds down that spot whether where the Thunder don't have to kind of flip through and shake the magic eight ball of like, well, who's it going to be tonight? It, does Darius basically have it? And you put him out there for three minutes and you realize he doesn't, you yank him. Same with Aaron Wiggins, same with Trey Mann. So just um, let's see who I want to see one more guy who we feel like is probably a staple of this team. Because right now it feels like there's around five guys who Thunder fans are very confident with, which is Shea, Giddy, Dort, J-Dub, and then Chet, which is TBD. But I think there's a lot of of optimism, but who's going to be the guy who joins that group, whether it's other draft pick, or maybe it's Usman Jang, maybe it's Isaiah who continues to improve, maybe it's a, a number of guys. Kendrick Williams feels like he's here to stay, but just who can add to that core? Because I don't, I don't think that you need somebody to come in and be a better player than all those guys. Because of course, if you get Victor Wimanyama, that's incredible, but I think you're just looking for more and more complementary pieces, and maybe it's just Thunder PTSD, but I guess I'd say it's just more shooting overall because it feels like that was a detriment for a lot of those early Thunder teams. But there's more shooting on this team, but we'll see in the postseason and going forward in big-time games if they have enough to really succeed at a, at a high level. And on the flip side of that coin, what is one area that you think that, that you think the Thunder are sneaky good at? Like maybe he's not getting enough attention at how good they are at this area. I think just their positional versatility and their size. Um, obviously, they don't have a center, but... What they do have is just incredibly big and strong guards who just throw off a lot of matchups. And they're just very, very hard to defend because you have all types of guys who can do different things. This is not like a situation like I referenced with Luca, where, where it's just high pick and roll. These guys stand in the corner. Almost all these guys on the Thunder roster, when you put the ball in their hands, have some juice to them. They can take you off the dribble. They can do a lot of things. So it just makes it super, super hard because, as I mentioned, going back to old under teams, there were times where you had Andre Robertson out there, Terrence Ferguson, Tabo Cephalosha, and defenders could just camp in the lane and not even think about him. I mean, the, the weakest offensive player the other night was Lou Dort for the Thunder in a lot of lineups, and that's who they put Trey Young on, and Lou just destroyed him. So right now, there are no weak links, and I think that's something that kind of gets underplayed is just the amount of versatility because you can just plug and play so many guys. I mean, last night, I don't know if you saw this play exactly, but when Shea just swatted John Collins shot and I tweeted something out after where just the luxury to have a six foot point guard with a seven foot wingspan who can switch out and guard a four and John Collins and then swat his shot is just so unbelievable because you can play him in so many different lineups in so many situations like we saw at his first year with the Thunder in that three guard lineup so just very excited about as you mentioned 
um, Mark is going to try out any lineup possible, but he has so many, so many options because of the guys on this roster who are so versatile. It's very fun to watch them play so switchable and versatile and, and really playing to the identity that Mark has preached about since his introductory press conference. Like it's, this has been a longstanding thing for Mark and they're finally going to kind of hit that gear right now this season and beyond. Now, do you have a feeling on when you think the Thunder should make that move? And what I mean by this is you don't need to predict like what player it'll be, but like a move where we all look at the phone and see Woj's tweet and collectively gasp, uh, drop our jaws on the floor, our eyes get wide, like something, wow, the Thunder have made a statement with this move. Uh, do you think that, that move is coming? And if so, when? I think we're a couple of years away from that. Right now, the Western Conference is kind of in a weird spot where we're in the changing of the guards where teams like Denver, Memphis, New Orleans are kind of rising up the standings. And then the old guard of the Clippers, the Warriors, Phoenix, and teams like that are kind of aging out of it. So it should be interesting. I think some of it is you just kind of have to see what the field looks like. The first iteration of Thunder, they were built, Rylan, as we know, to build, uh, beat the Spurs and beat the Lakers. They did that. And then a random team comes up in the Miami Heat's big three that just kind of changes everything. And the Warriors change basketball. So I think that there's going to be a trade eventually that's going to raise some eyebrows. I don't think it's going to be like a Paul George trade, like a big star. I think that a lot of these assets you use is to just fill in those stop gaps, uh, gaps of things that I talked about where it's like, we really need, and this might not even be the case, we really need a backup point guard. Here's a first round uh, pick. Go get that guy who's solid. But the idea is that with all these high draft picks and you're developing them, you hope that it works out. And if it works out, that means you're paying max uh, level contracts to these guys, which means you're probably not going to have a lot of cap space to trade for anybody on a very, very, very big salary. So a lot of the cap gymnastics should be very interesting for Sam Presti. I think eventually they will make some of those moves on uh, the fringes of the lineup and get a really good backup center, backup forwards or whatever. But I think it's going, those picks are going to be more used to bolster the lineup and support it rather than trade for a guy who then the team is more focused around as a primary guy or maybe the second best guy on the team, if that makes sense. Michael, I basically had you on today to, to tell our audience that I'm not crazy because we agree on every question that's been thrown at you. I think that this Thunder move might not be for like an all-star or a star or anything like that. It might just be a rotational piece that ties everything together, that like takes your roster from uh, good to great in the sense of depth and in the sense of leadership, in the sense of just these different moves that help your team that aren't necessarily going out and getting a jaw-dropping 25-point-per-game score by any means. I want to get you out here on this fun question. Uh, this is your first year covering the team in person. Uh, obviously, we're all back in person now for the first time in a couple of years you know, without uh, any of the Zooms or anything like that. What was your favorite game to attend so far? Because I think I have one that's like clear-cut number one. I want to see if we agree on this. What was your favorite game so far at home this year? Oh, that's tough. I'll have to go through a couple ones if you'll have the time for it. But um, the first one on the beat when they played against the Orlando Magic was my first game credentialed, and that was just a lot of fun. Watching Bull Bull versus Poku in person was incredible. But okay, so the best one, the the few that come to mind, and I'll, I'll try to make a decision on this, was the Bucks game when Shea hit that game winner that should have been the game winner before the works foul. That was against the giannis Bucks in the Javon Carter game. And then, of course, you have to throw in, the, you know, I'll just say it, the Boston game where they scored 150 without Shea. Not to say I didn't want to see Shea play, but just the way that they took it to the reigning Eastern Conference Finals uh, champions as a young team like that. The second youngest team 
in NBA history, only behind the Thunder last year. It was just incredible to see, and you saw all the guys um, shining out, especially J-Dub and Josh Giddy, and that was just an incredible one. But what, what was your favorite game so far this season? So mine was like with a bullet that game against Portland where we watched Dame break oh, the yeah. Blazers scoring record. Shea hit the game winner. Like that was that was special. Like to get to witness NBA history and, and a record that is going to be hard to be broken among any franchise. Like because just guys just don't stay there long enough to do it. Uh, I thought that was really special. And of course, Shea hits the game winner. So it makes the game even more memorable, even more fun. But uh, that that's my number one. Uh, the feeling that I just had for that game has not been matched. Uh, it's it was awesome to to be a part of that uh, and, and to be watching that from uh, from such a vantage point that we are at. Now, Michael, thank you for joining us. I think that uh, this conversation, the the best game of the season, we need to do again after the year's over with as we get more games under the belt uh, here for this season because it's a lot of fun night in and night out. Yeah, I think it's a testament to this team. I was going to say just the fact that we can reference and go down the list of multiple games is a very, very good sign for this team who lost by like 70 last year that you can go, which was the best game? And you don't have to go, well, obviously it's this one. It's the only good game they had. You can go through 10 or so games. I mean, when they went to Philadelphia and had that game, when Shea hit the game winner in Washington, there's just been so many different times. It's been a lot of fun, but thanks again for having me. I'm looking forward to it. We'll definitely have to come back around towards the end of the season and talk about the, the best moments overall. That's Michael Martin. Find him on Twitter at Michael on Sports. The Thunder Buddy Podcast is available wherever you get your podcast from, just as we are. For your next listen, check out the Thunder Buddies Podcast, and then check out Game to Game. It's a recap of the NBA in 15 minutes or less from the Lockdown Podcast Network. Until tomorrow, be good and be good to one another. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Lockdown Podcast ad free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 